It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with Ralph Jodis Jr., 39, Atari. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And Pax, super excited to be back with you on the airways this week and really excited about our guest today. Um, as you guys will shortly learn, uh, this guest has uh, had some featurettes, if, if you will, on the COT podcast a couple times. Um, He's also somewhat of some F3 royalty as far as family goes. Uh, you'll, you'll know his family lineage here as we get into it. But uh, he's a real joy to talk to, somebody that uh, has really taken the reins of F3 out in the West sector, specifically the Northwest. And, of course, I am talking about none other than Ralph Jodas Jr., uh, otherwise known as Atari in the gloom. Welcome to the show, brother. Dr. Bones, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for that warm welcome. I appreciate the invite. And man, royalty, if you're allowed to count the Joker in that, then sure, I'm happy to be here and happy to represent. Uh, 
but again, thank you. Thank you for asking me to come on uh, before Red Baron. That means a lot to me. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I may not live that one down, but uh, absolutely, I, I appreciate you, uh, your willingness to come on and share. Uh, obviously, I, I was made aware of you uh, multiple times throughout the course of my F3 journey over the last couple of years. Um, of course, you, you know that I know your brother, uh, Hello Kitty. Mm -hmm. um, uh, pretty well, just kind of working with him a little bit with the podcasting uh, platform, uh, certainly as a, a longtime caller into the COT podcast, which he hosts on a weekly basis with Rapido. Mm -hmm. And so just I've had some banter with him over the years and, and really got to know him. But uh, I've heard you on a couple of the COT podcasts with call-ins with a lot of excitement. I said, you know, this guy's got a lot going on, and I definitely want to tap into what he's got, uh, what he wants to share, and certainly your health journey, because we all have one, and I know the PAX will appreciate listening to what you have to share. So on that note, Atari, let's start um, a little bit with some F3, uh, you know, homework here. Uh, give us, a, you know, the, the story behind how you learned about F3, what that first beatdown was like, and then certainly why you got the name Atari. Yeah, happy happy to talk about that stuff. And if anyone has heard any of the voicemails I've left on the COT podcast, first off, I'm sorry that they were so loud and you probably instantly went to crank the volume down a little bit. Um, I don't know what to tell you. That's just the way it is. It's probably how this is going to go, too. So um, being a uh, little brother of Hello Kitty there, myself, the old man, mom, Bon Jovi, and then little brother all had heard about F3 for quite some time, probably before everybody hard committed. Uh, my brother was all in from day one. Uh, surprise, surprise that that guy brings a little bit of enthusiasm and a little bit of passion to anything he does. Uh, and this is a, a cross-country EH. While I'm out here in Seattle and Kitty's on the East Coast, uh, there's this thing you check it out i think they're out there um and they were uh f3 puget sound had been out here in the pacific northwest since uh, i think 2016 uh, if i have that right ap is going to check me um ap coming out from back east so uh what's great about my my brother uh, hello kitty is it's an eh but it's a low pressure eh and this has kind of been the relationship we've had is here's some good advice do with it what you will here's some guidance you know, you choose what to do with it. Um, and after a little bit of hearing about the cult from him, uh, my lovely better half and I were back east. We were at Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina, 2019, I think, family vacation at the old family museum that's been there for ages. And uh, he's going to hit a workout um, with the Santan out on the beach of Ocean Isle Beach. He says, all right, I'm not asking, I'm telling we leave at five o'clock, work out to 5.30. Okay, fine. Family vacation. I'm probably going to have a cerveza or two later that evening. So let's put in some work to, to make it better. Uh, so I go with Hello Kitty out to Ocean Isle Beach. And there's guys from Shiloh, OIB, and some of the surrounding areas for that first workout on the beach. Sun's coming up. You know, glorious, perfect. Uh, and that was workout one. Um, and it ends, you know how it goes. Let's talk about what you do. So much of our naming conventions come from convocations and what we do. Uh, and I work in the video games industry, which is, uh, you know, a, a fun industry to work in. And it's a real job. Uh, I can I tell you that I work in marketing and communications. 
so as I said, I work in video games. Uh, somebody said, all right, uh, which brand? And it's Xbox. Uh, and they said, well, it's going to either be Nintendo, PlayStation, or Sega. So what's it going to be? And somebody shouted out because, you know, the probably average age of most F3 men. Uh, they said, Atari. I can work with that. I better shut up quick because, like, there's far worse things out there. Uh, it could be the character Dig Dug. Ugh, we have a Dig Dug out here in Seattle. Uh, so I'm, I'm going uh, to – we have LOQ <laughs> over there. So I, I embrace that. Um, uh, like that name, that was cool. And then swiftly, you know, left that vacation, came back to Seattle and thought like, all right, that was, that was good. Um, but I was in the, the comfort of being there with my brother who could kind of usher me through and I could learn from him in that beatdown. And now it's moving back to Seattle where I don't know anything that's going on in the F3 community in Seattle. And hey, would you be surprised to hear that things in Seattle might be a little different than the rest of the nation? Because they are. So I go to uh, the first beatdown I can get to on a weekend and I go out to one of the local parks and there's two guys there and it's pouring rain and it sucks outside. Um, uh, but it was great. It was Bangkok who I attribute with my local EH because this was a guy who's been doing F3 in Seattle for years and he grabbed me and he pulled me along and he really supported me. Um, it was Bangkok and, and Turnpike and I won't forget those guys because they kind of helped me become really warm to what F3 was in Seattle. So long story short, first workout was Ocean Isle Beach. I uh, got the name Atari because I work in video games and then came back to Seattle, my home area, and found this thriving community here and wanted to do something with it. And it's been a pretty solid journey for the past few years. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that's a, a classic story of, of a brother that learns about it from another brother. They, they you know, they finally yep. get drug out into the gloom. Now, was it just you and Hello Kitty at that first workout from your family or was your dad already plugged in and your other brother? Yeah, dad was already plugged in, but he wasn't there at that workout. And it was probably because he, if the old man was in town, he would have been there. There's no way he's missing that opportunity. So he wasn't in town at the time. He was probably driving down the highway still with mom. Um, so if I remember right, Rapido might have been there. And then a few other guys we knew from college were there from old Appalachian State University. Um, but no, this was just uh, Kitty brought me out for that one. Uh, we have a little brother also, Lightyear, who was working out with F3. And at this time, he was probably down in Alabama uh, where he was at. Uh, and like I said, the old man was probably still up in Pennsylvania at the time. So I think I was last in. Um, so I feel the real pressure to be the biggest and the loudest now. Yeah, so you're the holdout, finally got in, and then uh, had to cross country to, to, to essentially reestablish yourself in F3 culture almost geographically as far as away you could uh, at, at that time in history uh, as right. far as F3's uh, expansion was. So you got back to Seattle, you got influence to go out and, 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 and start that up. Were you kind of all in with Seattle having uh, F3 workouts on a daily basis by then? Mm -hmm. Were they just working a couple times a week? How'd that work out? Yeah, what was really cool was I landed at the first AOI hit in Seattle and started to quickly consume, learning from Bangkok and Turnpike, the first two guys I met here, and then start searching across our Slack channels and our websites and realizing how big F3 was in the Puget Sound, which again, had been out here since 16, and Seattle is separated by water everywhere you look. So you have the east side of Seattle, which are 
towns called Redmond and Kirkland and Sammamish and Woodenville. And these are 20, 25, 30 minute apart towns and townships and drives, all again, separated by water, just big chunks of land out there. And then we have Seattle. You got downtown Seattle and then suburb, suburbs around Seattle, including University of Washington over here, and then just a bunch of neighborhoods up there. Again, everything's separated by highways and water. And it was it was interesting to see how much uh, F3 was already kind of spread out across Seattle, right? If I remember right at the time, they said, hey, we've got 400 guys registered through our Slack over the first four years. And we've got, oh, I don't remember. I want to say it was something like 17 AOs at the time. And I thought that was really cool. And on the Seattle side of the water, there was two in downtown Seattle, one in West Seattle, which is a freaking bridge away. Um, and we were working on popping up a few more, but like as, as the Puget Sound was big, Seattle was still small. Uh, and it felt like we had an opportunity to plant, grow and serve for Seattle, to create a identity for Seattle. And I say that because Puget Sound was doing really good. Um, but as, as is typical in an area like this, um, men get a little older, older in their career, older in their family, a little more mature and move out of Seattle, move out of the city into those surrounding areas, like I said. So we had really strong representation in Woodenville and Kirkland and Redmond and these further away places. And that meant it felt like Seattle was a little smaller at the time, um, which meant there was nothing but opportunity to plant, grow and serve and make Seattle bigger. And I was really excited and honored when I was voluntold, you're making Seattle its own region and go figure it out in Nantan that ship. Um, and we did that in 21. We spun off Seattle to, to become its own region next to Puget Sound, which was really special. And it was real honored to be able to be a part of that. Yeah. So you, you, you held the Nantan role or the reins. Are you still in that role or did you pass that on as well? I passed that on. I did that role as Nantan for Seattle for a year. And I knew from day one how important it was to identify the next Nantan. It was like the first thing I thought of um, when a guy named Alexa volunteered me to, to go get to work. It was, all right, this is going to be amazing. We're going to plant this thing and we're going to set up, number one, we're going to create new AOs and we're going to expand. And we did, which is awesome. And then it was identify next leader and get that person ready to go. Uh, so I did it for a full year because we were having uh, a second child here in the family. My M was pregnant. And I knew what that meant for me of kind of stepping back from the pack, stepping back from everyday workouts because it was important to be at home and to serve the family at home. And that had to happen. And I knew, I knew how I was going to go all in on that role instead. This was important to hand off, I thought, the Nantan chip to give it to a guy who was already doing the job, which made the selection so much easier. Right. I don't have to choose anything. Squid was already doing the job. He was already there for it. Uh, so it was just a matter of formalizing it and volunteering Squid to go do it. Who's been doing the role for coming up on a year now uh, when we hit March. He'll have been crushing it for a year. And that expansion has been phenomenal to watch. And like I, I talk with. So Fusion Sound just rolled over there Nantan, from Worthington to a guy called Cowboy. And it, it's interesting to talk to a Nantan who's just rolled out of that role and the to speak with them about what your role is and how you can have, I think, just as much, if not more impact in the emeritus role after the fact, which is a super cool place to be. Yeah. And it, it sounds like uh, here recently, you got the, the, the voluntoldness again to step up to another role uh, even bigger. 
because of that Nantan previous role that you have, it uh, looks like you are now the Western Sector Q. Uh, yeah, if, if anybody's going to tell you anything about 88, he's a quitter. All right? <laughs> 88 is a quitter, and you heard it here first. Yeah, he that's on the hilarious. program last month, and it was a fantastic show. 88 did right, right, right. Awesome well, job guiding him through that one. No, no. Uh, I had, as, as you're referring to, I, we had the privilege of putting him on the show a, a few episodes back, certainly last month. So if, if you haven't heard that episode, Pax, you need to go check out 88's uh, episode. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, you know, he rolled off and, and, and looking for bigger opportunities. And, and you were kind of the, the man for the job. So uh, just kind of bring us up to date. I know there's probably not a whole lot to share in above uh, what he was able to share the other day about um, the Western expansion. Mm -hmm. But if someone hasn't heard that show or unfamiliar with Sector Q, just quickly give us up, up to date what that means to you and, and what you're doing to support uh, Nantans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th thanks for bringing it up. I appreciate the opportunity. And it's, it's a new role for me. Uh, I'm, I've learned from what 88 did with it. And 88's not a quitter. 88 is among the most fantastic human beings out there and like lives f3 so hard like that's i want to be 88 when i grow up so taking over the western sector q role i've had an opportunity to meet a lot of the other sector q's across the south northeast all these cool regions that have fun nicknames and then we just get called the west over here and it's a big it's a big area geographically which i'm sure 88 talked about but the western united states is just big ass chunks of land and space that's just huge land out there. Um, so there's a lot of regions to pick up and there's a lot of regions that are constantly adding more regions to pick up, which is what I'm really excited about is I have a bit of a playbook that I know worked for 88 and I'm eager to copy it, paste it, and then add some stuff to it. And that comes with adding new regions to it. I have been real energized just these past few days where guys have moved out of uh, the PNW or moved out of the Puget Sound and gone and set up shop over in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And now we have F3 Decor out in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho with a guy named Asbestos. That's awesome. We had a guy who had only done virtual workouts for the past few weeks and months with some of the guys here in the PNW set up down in Olympia, Washington, the state's capital. And he just popped up an AO down there uh, at Pioneer Park, so the Pioneers. Um, so it's been really cool to step into a role that's established, to know that there's a lot of service to do for the Western sector on a macro level, but then to also help these guys set up new AOs and new regions on a more micro level. Um, so I want to take a real hands-on approach to learning about these regions that I've never been to and don't know anything about other than, gosh darn, they're accelerating and just like continuing to pop up new flags when we look at the map. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm doing. I'm stepping into it, learning a lot and eager to hopefully bring a little bit of energy um, and to keep uniting the packs through everything we do, um, you know, through our fitness fellowship and faith missions. Yeah, well, I know the nation's appreciative of you stepping up and into that role. Uh, I think, you know, your energy level will absolutely be an asset to invigorate these communities to embrace F3 and uh, you're, you know, I think you're the right man for the job. So I'm excited to see how this thing unfolds in the next, you know, six, eight, 12 months and, and, and that West expansion. So uh, good luck, brother. Thanks, man. And like uh, we were talking off air 
you know, you got to come on out to Seattle and, and see what we're doing in the Pacific Northwest, because now we can just do a tour of all of it. There's so many AOs, there's so many regions up here. Uh, we'll make a whole swing out of it. And then we can go check in with the boys down in Portland who have done really cool things, like from what Angus started to what Lumber carries through and Danish and the guys down there, they're doing great work too. So we can make a cool, uh, we can make a cool trip out of it someday. Yeah, it sounds great. It'll probably be closer to the summer months and not the winter months. Uh, you don't want to be here in the winter months. No, I don't. That, that's my point. So <laughs> it, it'd probably be a summer, summertime thing. So I'll definitely uh, put it on the on on the to do list of of getting out there. You know, I, in all honesty, I I love the opportunity to get out there and, and see a lot of the uh, the regions. Of course, I've you know growing up, my parents took us on some extended vacations where we saw America, if you will. And, and so I've seen a mm -hmm. lot of things geographically, just experienced it, but it's a whole new world now going into these cities, having brothers in all these places that I just know you could, you know, pick up the Slack machine and be like at almost any major city go, all right, I, can, I know there's like-minded guys that I could get up with and just have a good time with. And it just expands the fun of travel now. So Absolutely. I've never really had a job that was a travel job just because of the nature of what I do. Um, but certainly I can imagine those guys that do have some of that travel in their schedule, uh, how F3 could be a game changer for them as far as uh, going places, getting, you know, uh, the community, uh, you know, diving into workouts, that kind of stuff. So it's really cool, man. I think it's a, a neat cultural thing that we're building as a nation. Let, let's do this, man. Uh, I want to kind of roll into a little bit more about you and your own personal story uh, as far as, uh, you know, health and wellness. That's kind of what we're touching on with this specific uh, podcast. Of course, health and wellness means a lot to different people and there's all aspects of health and wellness. So, um, you know, we can dive into whatever areas that we feel uh, you want to share about. But before we kind of get into the nitty gritty, bring us up to speed kind of you know, your own personal dynamic. It sounds like you're married. It sounds like you at least have two kids, may, maybe yep. more. And then uh, kind of, you know, um, size, shape, age, that kind of stuff, just so guys get an idea who you are. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So Ralph George Jr., 39, Atari. Uh, I'm 39. I'm going to be 40 in about two and a half weeks. So that one is coming and there ain't no stopping it. Um, but that's cool. I'm excited about it. Uh, I've been married for 14 years. Um, and we have two kids. I have a daughter who's almost six, and then we have a baby boy who's coming up on 11 months, which is awesome. Um, he was our little blessing baby and a surprise, but a welcomed one. Uh, we fought uh, with some fertility issues in the first place um, and felt so lucky when we had a daughter almost six years ago, and she was our, our everything, and she kicks so much ass and is the light of our life. And she was the one and was the only one for the longest time. And it didn't seem like there was going to be uh, another. Uh, and we made peace with that. And that, that is what that is. We were, we were blessed uh, to have our daughter. And then son of a gun, here he comes. So uh, we're a little bit older, a little more tired, but we, uh, we had this baby boy, like I said, about 11 months ago. Um, and that's the last one. Now we're good. We were so blessed to, to score round two. 
And uh, we've I've taken the steps to ensure that's where we are at. And that is a whole nother process in and of itself, which is freaking fascinating. What an experience <laughs> that is to go through. So yeah, it's, um, funny that, it's funny that you bring that up because I did have an episode where we discussed that topic. Uh, one of our brothers out in the gloom in North Dakota oh, yeah. uh, is, is a medical doctor who performs quite a few different procedures and, and that being one of them. And so we kind of dove into the, 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 the facts about it, uh, the, yeah. the myths about it. And so if you're interested packs and learning a little bit more about that, uh, check out that earlier episode. Um, and it was, it was a good one. I bet it is. I'm going to have to go back and listen. If it ever comes <laughs> up out in the gloom, it's so funny in, in our area out here, if it comes up out in the gloom and you mentioned the place, you know, I hear just from left field, I went to that guy too. You got that guy too. <laughs> It's just, it's one of those funny things. Uh, yeah. So that, that's a little bit uh, of that history. Um, I've been out here in Seattle 15 years. Um, before this, I was in North Carolina primarily uh, across the East Coast with dad being um, in the Air Force. We were all over the place for a little while. I was born in the United Kingdom in the early 80s, um, but we lived a lot in the U.S. Southeast um, with a little bit of moving around. So mostly North Carolina is my homestead. Uh, like we talked about with Hello Kitty, with Rapido and some of the other guys. Um, after Appalachian State University, uh, I did what most, uh, you know, North Carolina public school system graduates do. I moved to China uh, and I spent two plus years in Beijing, China. I went for a visit um, and stayed for two and a half years. Uh, so I started my professional career there um, and was being a young person making a Western salary in Beijing right before their 08 Olympics and saw a nation change quickly um, and kind of have uh, China's coming out party, which was a fascinating time to be there, fascinating time to work there um, and meet people. So I was there for two, two and a half years and uh, met a girl who was from the broader Seattle area and got to know her for a little while, and she moved home to Seattle, and I said, you know, someday, someday maybe I'll see you out there. And she said, yeah, sure you will. Good luck. See you, see you later. Um, and when I was done with this job I had in China, I, I got back to North Carolina, got in the truck, started driving west. Two and a half weeks later, rolled into Seattle, called this young lady up, said, remember me? She said, okay, you're here now. Wow. Uh, we picked back up that relationship. Uh, we were married about a year later. We had our kid about five years after that, and this has been this has been it. Uh, so that's been pretty cool. That's so that, a really that's cool my... story. Now, what what brought you out to China in the first place? Did you have a job set up, or were you going out there? No. Oh no, no, no job set up. I graduated from school uh, in three years. I did three years of college and thought like I should probably graduate, or I might not. Uh, maybe was having a good time with the fraternity too much, so focused. Did extra courses when I needed to, and I was in and out with three years with my degree. It just felt like the right thing to do for me at the time. It was a little inexplainable, but it just felt like I should go. I should do it now because I've achieved what I need to achieve. Like I can graduate, and I feel like I should go do some living and do some learning uh, outside of school. Um, so my parents were in China. Dad was defense attache at the U.S. Embassy Beijing. So what an opportunity to have to go visit them after school. So graduated, went for a two, two and a half week visit, and then got a job. So stayed for two, two and a half years. So got it. Okay. New, well, that makes sense. Your, your parents were there 
I was right. just curious why you chose China in and of itself as, as all the places to go. That's right. Uh, were you were you in the video gaming industry out in China, or were you doing something different? No, I got I got a job at the embassy in uh, public affairs section, doing public diplomacy and working on like international diplomat uh, trips um, when folks would come over from the states to China to do various things for their diplomatic mission. So whether it was uh, senators or congressmen or ambassadors who would come over to meet with local officials or whether it was like a goodwill ambassador, like Michelle Kwan came to China right before the Olympics and did this big press tour. And I would do those press tours for these people when they'd come over and visit, which was a fascinating introduction to professional career. Um, and then when I kind of finished that role, it was a temporary role uh, and landed out here in Seattle, I had this public affairs, public relations, communications background and parlayed that into a job with a PR agency. And it's Seattle, it's a tech hub and started working with Microsoft, which uh, I'm lucky to have kind of early engaged with one of these big tech companies. Um, and that led me into a career in technology, which led into a career in video games, which is, again, it's a real job. You can make a lifelong career out of the video game industry, which is very exciting. That's a whole other topic, which can be covered another time. Yeah, I think, you know, my, my son's generation, all those guys, they aspire to be these paid video game players because you can absolutely sit there and watch these guys uh, play video games all day long. That, that's what boggles my mind. Uh, and he doesn't do it as much anymore. He's a little bit older and into some different things. But I just remember watching him watch other people play the video game. And I'm like, you're not even playing the video game, at least, at least when I grew up. And, and you mentioned Atari. You know, that was certainly our first console uh, mm -hmm. early 80s is that nice Atari system. And then have the, uh, the first a Nintendo and a, a Sega mm -hmm. and eventually the PlayStation. And, uh, you know, having said all that, I played video games, but I never, I never was that video gamer, I guess, if you will. It was maybe just the, the, the five, six years younger than me generation that kind of got into it a little bit deeper. But, you know, my son, it was amazing just how much they are just inundated with it and, like I said, it wasn't even them playing. They just watch other people play. And yeah. I'm like, this is a this is a whole business model of these guys play video games on camera and everybody will play, you know, uh, they get yeah. sponsored. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a crazy. massive generational shift, right? Like yeah. that is that's a rarer position to go succeed from, right? Like yeah. if that's what your son wants to do, go get him. That's a harder yeah. position <laughs> to go succeed from. There are full careers, desk jobs like yours truly here, where one can make a corporate living doing this as well without being yeah. inside the entertainment side of things. But it's nearly a $300 billion a year industry. It's massive. It's bigger than movies and music combined. I won't give you the PR talking points. No, that's okay. Um, and it's not, and it's not going anywhere. They are generationally right? different. Yeah, and it's not going anywhere. And it's, it's only getting more advanced. And, you know, I, I think there's that push to that virtual world reality now, which is... It's crazy. So I think it's good job security. Uh, absolutely. Now, did you stay in touch with your wife through all those years or was it really like a, two, uh, a cold call? It was, it was kind of short term, actually. So when she came back from China to the U.S., again, born and raised here in the broader Seattle area, this is her stomping grounds. It was, I don't know, call it maybe six to eight months Okay. of distance and in between of like, all right, there's something brewing there. There was something there, right? Well, there was something there. 
Um, so it wasn't super long. Uh, and then that once I got back to the States and I started driving the old Azuzu rodeo from east to west, you know, a couple phone calls, a couple text messages along the way that said, hey, I'm coming out there. Um, got it. And my, my version of the story was, and that was that. But uh, <laughs> there's probably different versions of that story. And that's what makes the story good. That's right. That's right. We'll have to get her version one day just to kind of compare notes. Now, uh, you mentioned growing up in the, the Carolina area, uh, growing up in Southwest or East uh, America, and then having uh, being born in London. Now, were you involved with sports? Were you doing things as a teenager, yep. athletically, health-wise? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sports family, uh, big sports family. So mama raised three boys. Uh, the general was, um, you know, an athlete. Uh, so funny. General was an athlete as a child. Went and flew fighter jets. Then got involved with F3 as an athlete all over again. 67 years old and total badass out there. It's awesome. Uh, but yes, all three boys were did various sports. Um, you know, soccer really young until I became a little too big for that. I was always big. Um, I was tall. I, I reached six feet early and then stopped. Stopped at six feet, but was six six feet young. Uh, and then a little husky. So I was always very big playing youth sports, whether it was soccer or basketball. Because they didn't offer football at my small Catholic school at the time, I was big to the point where in the middle of games, parents from the other team would say, hey, hey, you, whatever number, how old are you? What year were you born? And I didn't think much of it at the time. And at the time, I liked being big. But in retrospect, I think that's kind of damaging to treat a kid that way as an adult. Like, let the big kid just be a kid. Um, I thought it was cool at the time to be big, but I was always big, a little husky. And then into high school, stayed big, stayed a little husky, got a little bit overweight, pretty typical. I was an offensive lineman, you know, perfect position to be. I was a center, the absolute single best position on the football field, snap the ball, turn backside, pass block, every single play. Um, I did a little shot put in discus uh, with the track and field team, took a discus to the head one time. Uh, all you need is to take a discus to the head one time. You don't want to repeat on that. Um, so played some sports. Throughout high school, uh, I kind of just kept getting a little bit bigger, a little bit lazier. Same story that we've heard before, right? A little bit bigger, a little bit lazier throughout college. You know, stopped exercising because who had the time? You know, I had a, other things to do um, until uh, until life got a little more serious. Um, and then at, you know, call it 35 with a brand newborn uh, realizing like, oh, God, I really got to do something about getting weight under control and like commit to fitness. And this was pre pre E3. Um, I watched a guy who did a whole 30 diet. I was like, well, you used to be really fat and now you're really skinny. What did you do? And I spent time talking with him about it and spent a little bit of time researching a Whole30 diet and knowing like what might work for me and what wouldn't, where my commitments are, um, and did a Whole30 diet when we had a newborn baby. And what I thought worked for me was everything was so structured. We had this newborn baby. It's 2017. We're just focused on everything's on a schedule. Baby sleeps, baby's awake, baby eats, baby does this, mom and dad sleep, awake. We were so regimented. I put myself on this diet at that time, and it worked really well because um, everything was so regimented. I could just make this lunch, make this dinner, make this breakfast, sleep, rest, repeat. And I did this very extreme Whole30 diet for about six months um, and lost 40 pounds and felt really good about that. But it wasn't sustainable. 
because what I realized what I was doing also was intermittent fasting. I didn't know it at the time. It wasn't a buzzword in, in 2017. Um, and that wasn't really healthy for kind of a chubby guy like me, but it worked to, for once, learn how to slim down, learn how to start eating right, learn, you know, how to get a little bit of control, um, how to optimize the queen, as your intro says. Um, so I learned a little bit there. And then after I kind of lost a little bit of weight and realized, all right, I'm going to gain this much back and here's how to sustain it and to be healthy about it. That was really helpful, but it was nothing in comparison to then finding F3 and learning how to accelerate my king at the same time and combine the two to actually live a healthy life. And that's just, then it puts it into overdrive. Yeah. So you lost 40 pounds, you said, with the whole 30 perspective or, or, or approach. What was your what was your biggest weight? I mean, how much did you weigh when you finally said, listen, I got to do something about this and, and let me start cutting back? It was uh, 220 to 160. No, that's okay. not the right math at all, is it? That's 60 pounds. <laughs> it, was, it was about 215 at the highest to about 165 at the lowest. And you're six foot, right? You're six, six foot now. Foot you mentioned growing to six foot, but you yeah. never grew after that. Okay. Never got, never got past it. Never got past okay. it. I'm 12 at the train and outside. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I cut that down to like 165, which was kind of frail for kind of a, a, a beefy guy. Zero muscle, zero muscle. I'm like, this yeah. isn't going to work at all. Right. To the point where my M was like, that's wrong with you. Like this isn't, this ain't the right way to go. And she's absolutely right. So then it was learning to balance and how to do it the right way and uh, to move the weight around. And it's not about the, it shouldn't be about the number. It should be about how I feel about it. So there's a lot of acceptance there too, right? How do I feel about the way this looks, the way I feel and the way I'm able to operate. And that was a journey since 2017 to how to get comfortable with that, right? How to get comfortable eating this way, working out this way, living this way, letting it not affect this part of life. Uh, to be fine with like, there's a spare tire and maybe there's always going to be like, that's okay. Uh, but you know, Hey, this part's a lot bigger. This part's a lot broader. And for the audio listeners out there pointing at shoulders and arms and chest, like, Hey, that seems a lot healthier and feels a lot better. Um, and it has been, so it's been like the journey of learning where to put it. So it feels better. Um, and it feels so much healthier now. Yeah. So you mentioned losing that weight um, were you, and, and then finding F3 and then balancing out the king aspect of it. So the initial weight loss was just dietary in nature. You weren't necessarily doing anything specific uh, from an exercise standpoint. Okay. Which, you know, it, and that brings up a great point because I think people think about exercise as the only way to lose weight or to get healthy. And and it also speaks to the reality of the power of the diet. And yeah. that's one of the things I, you know, when I coach clients too, it's, you know, they always want to know, you know, what exercise they need to do or how hard they need to work out. And, and certainly I don't discourage them from exercising. Obviously I think that's important. F3 is kind of foundational around that, but I also try to educate them on why that alone is not going to get there probably where they want to be. Certainly not sustainable weight loss unless they, they dial in the diet. So it's interesting that, yours was completely diet and no exercise because that's typically not what happens. Most people go try to outwork out, you know, their queen and, and, and that wasn't your case. Now the whole 30 I'm familiar with, I, you know, I've never, I've never officially done the whole 30 mm -hmm. from a standpoint of, okay, I'm going to read the information. 
I'm familiar with it, obviously, just because my profession and just um, from mm -hmm. a philosophy standpoint, agree with much of what they preach through that process, which is really, you're, it's more about cutting out the non-natural uh, stuff and, 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 and what we consider junk, if you will, and, and really kind of concentrating on eating whole food yep. and in that perspective, uh, giving the body the fuel that it needs. You mentioned not being sustainable. You mentioned kind of balancing that back out to, to, to a lifestyle that you like more. What about the whole 30 approach that you felt was just the most unsustainable for you? And what have you changed since then? Yeah, what I found was the least sustainable was, um, and it's probably the approach I took to it. I, I took an extremely regimented approach. And like I said, we had a newborn, so we were doing everything on schedule. And that worked for me because I was like, this is great. I'm going to make the exact same boring-ass lunch every single day and take it to work and eat it at work. And if I need a snack, I'll have the same crappy bar every single day. And the least sustainable thing of it was it was boring. It was so boring. There was no – and it took the joy out of a fun thing eating fun stuff. We're Italian, like eating is life. So it took the joy out of food and having a good time. So it was, it wasn't sustainable. It, it, it wasn't enjoy. Uh, there was no enjoyment in it at all. And that regiment was too strict. It didn't allow for growth, just the way I set it up, which is why it worked at the time because everything was so strict for us. It's just, that just worked. Nowadays, if I go on a whole 31 month, two months or whatever, I, I realize how I choose to ebb and flow. Maybe I don't need to be quite so hardcore. Like it's one sandwich. Sure, I can have two pieces of bread. Relax, Atari. It's going to be okay. That wasn't the case back then. It was no, no ifs, no buts. We're going to be way too strict on it. Um, I don't want to live a life that's that strict anymore, which was an important, you know, mental health exercise. I was going to do a physical health exercise too. So like, the enjoyment factor was a real thing for me. I took no joy out of that, but I appreciated cutting some weight. But now I'll choose to do it in a different way. And, you know, at, at pushing 40, I know what I can do to diet and exercise and probably cut 10 pounds. It's gotten slower in the past year. So, Doc, how much more drop off can I expect on the other side of the hill? Because I've realized this journey from 39 to 40, it's taking, it's taking a little bit longer. Should I expect that to exponentially grow going forward? Yeah. So, I mean, you bring up a good point uh, of what does happen to men and really it's around hormones. Uh, the, uh, the biggest one is testosterone that typically starts to drop after the age of 35. So I always recommend guys go getting their testosterone levels looked at uh, more specifically their free testosterone levels and, and really kind of determining where that is because unfortunately we do have this epidemic in our society of low T in men. And unfortunately, if you don't find ways to either naturally boost it or even hormone replace in some instances is necessary, um, you may find gaining muscle, burning fat, those type of factors are going to just take a lot longer and a lot more effort. Now, it can completely be done. Um, you know, I've worked with guys in their 50s and even 60s, drop weight and build muscle. Um, without natural supplements. So it's not a, it's not one of those things like, Oh, I'm over 40. Now I can just accept, you know, my limitations that that doesn't need to be the case at all, but it certainly does happen. And so uh, some of the things we got away with as a younger man, uh, we're not going to get away with as we get a little bit older. Hence 
the approach of sustainability and lifestyle yeah. is so much more important because your ability just to kind of flip a switch and completely change your, your health outcome will become less and less uh, capable as we get a little bit older. And, um, you know, I liked what you said about the sustainability and just the boring thing. Cause I, I agree with you. And I think that's why, first of all, right. The diet, diet industry is this billion dollar industry year after year. I mean, you would think this many people spending money on diet, we should be a skinny, well-fit, you know, nation. And, <laughs> and, and every year we just get fatter and sicker, regardless of all that money we're spending, because, we're not doing it correctly. And it's because we try to do these radical things that are just no fun that everyone abandons at some point. And so I've really adopted and I, I've shared it before on the podcast. And, and what I teach clients is this 80-20 mindset. It's just this, you know, listen, 80% of the time, I'm going to dial it in. I mean, every day I get a choice to make as, as far as the food that I put in my mouth. And 80% of the time, I'm going to be making smart choices based on how I want to feel and how I want to function. But I also recognize this is going to be 20% of the time that I am not going to care what I throw in there. And, you know, I, I got to have variety. And, and are there days that I'm 100% good? Sure. Are there days that I'm 100% bad? Yeah, you, you bet it. You know I mean, but, but on average, I'm that 80-20. And I just found that that just is so freeing for me and something that I can sustainably do on a day-to-day -day basis. And really what I've learned, and you probably recognize this too, and, and anyone listening probably who finds that they're doing the good things most of the time, it's when we do kind of cheat, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's fleeting. And the more we do it, sometimes we go, man, I don't know if I want to do that again. And uh, you just sometimes by by default start staying on track a little bit more because you don't like the way you feel when you go off the rails but you also don't have to carry the guilt of i've, I've jumped off the wagon i've yeah. done something bad uh you, you give yourself grace and it's just so much easier yeah hey a, a step backwards reminds us how good it feels to take steps forward right like i'm not reminded every time i'm kicking ass in the gloom that you know to keep kicking harder but when i stop if i step backwards or fall a little bit i'm reminded oh this doesn't feel good at all like let's do the thing that makes us feel better right and that comes with being a little bit aware of like how we feel in our heads and then accepting like what works for us to drive us forward um, i think that's really important uh, and i heard a guy on your show recently say don't eat like a jerk and that resonated with me pretty well like that guy's pretty smart so kudos to whoever that guy was yeah, that's hilarious. That must be a motto at the at the Jodas household of uh, may, maybe your dad just yell at you guys, don't eat like a jerk. Or not. I mean, was that just he, something planted in your head? He taught us a lot of things growing up. And one of the things that always stood out was be smart about being stupid. Yeah, there you go. There you Perfect. go. I like it. I like it. Well, we've kind of touched on the queen a little bit. Um, let's switch gears on the king part. Obviously, you found F3. You're accelerating out in the gloom. Give us a little rundown of kind of what your week kind of posting looks like, what kind of AOs you hit, uh, what does that yeah. look like uh, on a week-to-week -week basis? Yeah, what's special about F3 Seattle is some of the locations we have. And again, there's the broader Puget Sound region that exists in a bunch of awesome neighborhoods out there, right? They're at local middle school there, high school there, they're out there in Sammamish and Kirkland and Redmond. No offense, there's not a whole lot of exciting things about the townships and the space in some of those areas. But in Seattle, we have an AO underneath Seattle Space Needle. 
Like that is rarefied air. I think about places like maybe, I don't know, I bet the archway over there in St. Louis, I bet that's pretty cool. And like, I bet there's some of these, you know, these like locations. Spur, have, Spur, Spur uh, talked about the Alamo. I mean, yep. that would be cool to work that's out. That's amazing. That's so cool. We, we have an AO underneath the Space Needle and I try to get to uh, the Space Needle AO every Wednesday. We have an AO around the corner in South Lake Union, which is really close to downtown Seattle. It's on the water. It's outside of a museum. And it, again, it, you can see the Space Needle right there. And that feels really special. Um, these AOs in and around the city are, are cool. And we don't have quite the same challenges that maybe some big cities do. I think about some of the guys there in San Francisco and some of the challenges they face, like popping up an AO in such a populous city is hard. Um, our locations are outside of some of the most populous zones of that city. So I, I really value getting to work out underneath the Space Needle and at Mohai, which is right around the corner. Um, we've stood up a lot of new AOs in Seattle in the past two years from South Seattle to North Seattle, which was really important that we go into the neighborhoods, walk out your front door, walk into an AO was this mantra that, that we, we said. So I'm at fewer workouts so far in 23, thanks to a little bout of strep throat, but we're over that now um, and eager to get back to it because coming up here in February, first full week of February, we launch uh, Extreme Week, which was born and bred out of the Puget Sound. It's seven workouts, six days. It's a workout every morning, an iron pack style workout every morning plus an evening kicker one time, plus some extra things sprinkled on top. So seven iron pack style workouts in six days. Um, it's a special thing that brings this big region of Puget Sound all together, right? Instead of having 27 AOs any given morning, everybody come to the same AO. Like tra travel near and far, get there, and just get a serious beat down, and then do it the next day, and then do it the next day, and then do it the next day twice, and then do it the next day, do it the next day. So uh, I'm really looking forward to re-engaging with the brothers out there for Extreme Week, which is led by two serious high-impact men who are going to just throw it down for us. So the nation, you guys will hear about it. We will be putting it on our socials. I'll be jawing about it. Uh, follow our journey. It's a ton of fun. Um, and then every Saturday here in Seattle, we've got um, kind of our mini convergence day. Oh, it's at Seattle's Gasworks Park, which overlooks the entire city. There's the Space Needle. There's downtown. It's a great park, and it feels like a convergence every Saturday, which I find really special. Now, are you going six days a week, or do you find yourself taking days off? How does that work yeah. for you? Nah, on, on average, a, a healthy Atari is out there uh, three or four days a week. Yeah. And then do you do something on the other days you don't post, or is those rest days for you? I'll rock my daughter to school, which is really fun. So uh, my six-year-old school is right down the road. So I'll throw 50 in the ruck and walk with her up to school with that on, which is great. Uh, so some of the parents, if they see that on, they're like, so you're training for something? Like, Life, baby, you know it. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll do that, which that's not, that's not a, a, a giant workout or anything, but just every little bit I think helps when I can throw that on. And then still working in this work from home environment, um, if I have the opportunity to toss the 50 on the back and take a conference call walking around the neighborhood, I'll take that as often as possible too. Sure. Well, you mentioned, you know, pointing to your shoulders and chest earlier, as far as kind of building muscle, I'm assuming that's what you were kind of referencing to. Are you doing that through just F3 workouts? Do you do a little lifting? Do you do calisthenics at home? Do you do anything else? 
tiny little bit of calisthenics at home, doing no weight training outside of what we do with coupons, right? And it's, it's a little bit of, I want to stay focused on what I'm focused on. It's a little bit of time management. Uh, at home is time with the girls and the baby boy and really trying to protect that for these guys. Um, so I, I primarily do it all through whatever we're doing out there in the gloom. And I don't know what got into the boys of the broader Puget Sound region, but there's so many coupons lately. It's all coupon work, which is great. Um, because like I mentioned, that flat tire is still there and maybe it's going to be there for forever. Um, so that six pack's not coming in. That's all right. I've accepted that. But maybe I can build the, the top of this pyramid, right? And try to make a bit of an upside down pyramid where we're bigger up top and we can make it a little bit smaller down below. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a big proponent of, uh, of resistance training. I think as men, we're designed to be strong. I mean, we mentioned the word testosterone earlier. That's one of those hormones that we have in a little bit more abundance of than women for the purposes of building muscle and being explosive and being able to, you know, fight and protect for our families. And so having strength, in my opinion, is necessary. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm a big proponent of that and gear workout is one of those ways that we do that in F3, as far as uh, on a consistent basis, whether it's kettlebells or cinder blocks yep. or rucksacks, whatever sandbags. I mean, they're, they're all kind of fun to throw around and, and a good exercise. Now, are you doing, um, you mentioned a bunch of AOs on any given morning or is it boot camp heavy or is it, mm -hmm. do, do they do other things too? Do you have running AOs, gear yep. workout AOs? Yep. So uh, across Seattle and Puget Sound, ton of boot camp workouts, no surprise there. You got your bread and butter boot camps everywhere. We have got a handful of running specific AOs, um, uh, box trots and flashes. So we do have, so we've stu stood up a handful of running onlys. Uh, a good handful of our, um, boot camp AOs do a pre-run. Maybe they'll go hit three to five miles before doing the 45 boot camp, which is always great. Some of those guys will throw on a ruck instead. We've got AOs that just ruck up a mountain. Uh, it's Seattle. There's mountains everywhere, which is great. Mountains are just, you know, some giant hill. So we've got a, a good handful, a good rucking culture and a good handful of rucking AOs. And a lot of those are going, they're going up a mountain, which is great. Um, a lot of coupons. A good, a good variety, right? And like it's, it, we've set up a pretty good system where you know that that AO is a running AO or is a rucking AO or Wednesday night is, you know, we're rucking up Queen Anne, which is just a giant vertical hall with a lot of weight. Um, so the variety is out there. I prefer a boot camp workout because I can jaw a lot more and I'm out there to get a gums workout just as much as a body workout. Uh, you guys will find this if we get a chance to work out together. I'm probably going to talk the whole time. Gotcha. And I've never, I don't think I've ever officially worked out with your brother, uh, Hello Kitty, other than like a bigger convergence, like at a grow rock or something like that. But I'm willing to bet he jaws most of the workout as well. So Surprisingly quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly. yeah he, he's the jabroni who said, don't eat like a jerk. But he also said this other thing that, that does stick with me too. He talked about, you know, look, it's simple. You strong enough to pick up your M and your kids and run out of a building if it's on fire? Are you strong enough to do that? And before I started with F3, I would probably have paused and said, man, I don't know. I'd like to think so, but sure. I don't know. And now it's like, hell yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. To pick yeah. them up, one on each shoulder, one in the arms, we're good to go. And that feels yeah. good to be, to be confident in that answer. That's it. Well, you've, you've made a few like, you know, good little one-liners today. What, what has been the best health advice you've ever received? I mean, is there anything that you can think of resonate that just kind of changed your health perspective? 
Wow, what a good question. I ignored all health advice for 35 years, right? Wasn't listening to it. Uh, it was too hard, had too much going on, didn't know how to do anything, and ignored it all for 35 years until we had our first child and we had a family and had to think outside of uh, myself, which is such an important breakthrough in and of itself, right? A whole nother conversation. And what I found the most useful was having a model, having some rules, and then figuring out what worked and being willing to trial and error based off of um, my personality and then um, my persona. So I wasn't meeting with a dietitian or a health coach, um, but I I found how important it was to figure out what's going to work for me and what's not, because just because some jabroni over there says, here's what you got to do. It was like, well, maybe that works for you, jabroni. You're skinny and fit, but that doesn't work for you know the guy who's been ignoring it for 35 years and is starting at complete ground zero. So it, 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 was, it, was, it was half of the lack of advice of I should have been smarter and listened to people. And when I did start listening, I quickly realized I need to realize what's going to work for me. And that takes some serious failure. Um, because you don't just start dieting and lose weight. Like what the hell, it doesn't work that way. We'd all be skinny people. Trial and error, learning what works, and then most importantly, earning the support and advocacy of my M, which shouldn't be given. It should be earned, right? Like I'm doing this diet, you're not doing it, but here's how you can support me. And like I had to earn her help and support to do that. Um, and we got there with some trial and error, like I said. Uh, so that was really important um, was to learn how to do it. So I, I try not to give guys like weight loss advice because what do I know? But what I do try to do is be there to support whatever journey you're on, especially as we start doing it through F3. Um, and whether that's a journey of eating right, drinking right, drinking less, whatever the case may be, um, I don't have good advice, but I have uh, pretty good listening ears and a voice that won't stop talking at you if you want to talk about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you brought up a couple of good points. One is just the power of accountability. And, and that's one yeah. of the great things about F3. And, you know, a lot of guys, they'll, they'll do challenges together. Certainly one that's kind of been highlighted a handful of times is this hard 75. And the mm. idea behind you know, doing that on your own on an island is much more difficult than having a few other guys that you know are going to be counting on you or, or checking in on you. Um, certainly getting your M involved, uh, you know, is, is important to kind of have that accountability. Certainly if you're sharing meals, a lot of times, you know, having mm -hmm. somebody on a similar, uh, you know, game plan makes a lot of sense. And then you also brought up another uh, important point. I think that, um, most men realize at some point, certainly who are fathers, is we start looking at our children and how we're going to be present in their lives later on, right? It's, it's, it's the quality of parenting or my quality of life as my kids get older, they have kids, I become a grandparent, you know, what kind of lifestyle do I want to be or what kind of impact do I want to have with those generations way down the line if I'm not willing to take care of myself today? Because, you know, unfortunately, you know, if we're not accelerating, we're decelerating and, and we, we know that. And uh, I think that's usually a catalyst for a lot of guys too, as they start to realize, wait, 
I'm not getting any younger. I'm certainly not getting any healthier without effort. If I don't start now, what is it going to be like in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now? And it sounds like that was part of your thought process as well. It, it was, right? Like, what do, you, what do you expect? If you're not modeling better behavior, how can you expect better behavior? Like, your head's in the wrong place if that's your technique. Uh, and modeling the best behavior possible meant living the best behavior possible. And, you know, whereas I was ignoring health advice for 35 years, it just took a pause and looked around at who was in my life and was like, well, gosh, darn it. There's some pretty good, there's some pretty good men here to model after and some pretty good legacy I can pay attention to for guys who are doing something, they're doing something right. And I look at my older brother, Brian, named Hello Kitty, my little brother, Adam, named Lightyear, and my dad, Ralph Jr. Senior. I thought there's some pretty goddamn good models to follow. Pardon me. No. Yeah, I agree. Good, good men. Uh, and certainly people to look up to and, and have on a team man. have, have as accountability lifetime partners in this whole journey that we're, we're on. So I think that's great. Now, do you do any type of supplements or vitamins, anything like that? Do you, do you, you do anything outside of just diet? This is something I wanted to ask you about. Thanks for bringing it up. So I, uh, I do a little bit of like whey protein powder as recovery because I realized after F3 and for two years, like, man, really sore. Really not, not, not FNG sore, but it was like recovery is just a little slower. Muscles are still a little achy, moving a little slower the next day or two. What can I do for that? So I started to do a little bit of a whey protein recovery mix and it felt good, right? Load up on protein, juice juice the muscles, load up, and I just felt better. Um, what I had found after that was if I mixed in something that was a bit of a muscle builder that says it's not going to add bulk, but it's going to help, you know, help get leaner muscles, help your muscles recover something like with maybe uh, a, all the, I can't say any of the vitamins names because I can't remember, packed full of all the vitamins. There's a little bit of creatine in there. I was like, all right, I'll do that. If I threw that into the shake, I felt like I recovered better, but I always felt like I carried around a little bit more weight, or I felt like it was harder to cut weight if I was adding this little bit of muscle builder on top of it. And if I remove that from the diet, I find it's easier to shed a little bit of extra weight. And I, I haven't done the math to figure out why that is. Does any of that sound like anything to you? Yeah, I mean, without knowing the specific of the product, it, it's hard to give you a definitive answer. But you know, you brought up a couple of things. One is recovery, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I think we all go out there and we get the beat down. And if we're going to return the next morning in the gloom, the amount or the rate at which we recover, you know, matters. And mm -hmm. first and foremost, what guys need to realize is how much sleep plays a role in that. And, you know, if you're not getting adequate sleep, you can do all this other stuff that you want and your muscles aren't going to recover and repair. You also have to realize that muscle do, do need rest. Um, it, mm -hmm. Your muscles need a, anywhere from 24 to 36 hours to kind of completely recover from the previous workout. And so this is why a lot of times weight lifters and stuff won't do bench press two days in a row. It's, you know, it's because your muscle needs adequate rest to recover so that you can reload it again uh, later. Now that's part of the problem that we have in F3 is we're not always dictating our exercises every time we're out in the gloom because it's peer led and it's, you're going out there and you're following the, the, you know, everybody else. So there are instances just by default, you're going to, 
you may get smoked on your arms on Monday and show up on a queue on Tuesday. And that guy has the similar workout design. And, and so you're smoking them again. And so you're not really getting the recovery. So those Mm -hmm. are factors that we have to just acknowledge. Now, having said that there are ways of improving muscle recovery. And I've talked about protein in the past and Mm -hmm. the building blocks of muscle is protein. And then the building blocks of protein is amino acids. And so you can kind of, kind of hydrate it down. Whey protein uh, is very popular because of the absorbability of it as far as a protein source. When we use whey protein, our muscles and our bodies are able to absorb it much more efficiently, let's say, than trying to get the protein out of broccoli. I mean, you're just, your body just doesn't absorb it as well. And so when you do that, it's a way of kind of mass loading the muscle and therefore having that repair. Now, I personally have taken a step uh, further and said, instead of using the whey protein, I use an amino acid mix that mm. is actually the building blocks of, of, cause what your, what your body has to do with the whey is break it down into the usable amino acids to build the muscle back up to where if you just take the amino acids, your body's getting that starting block. If, if mm. that makes sense. And it's just more efficient. Um, usually it's more expensive. So, I mean, like with anything you get what you pay for, but, um, when you get a complete amino acid complex. So some people will mistakenly high dose on things like branch chain amino acids. And so this is leucine, isoleucine, and valine. These are the main ones when it comes to that. Now, the reason they use those is because those three are really important in muscle synthesis. So people will do that. But what they miss is some of the other amino acids that are necessary to take those and actually utilize them in the muscles. So this is why I, I, I preach against branch chain amino acids in and of themselves. And I like more of a complex or complex amino acid supplement. So that's what I find works really well in addition to eating more protein in my yeah. diet. So that's how I do that. Um, I also invested this past summer in an infrared sauna so I have that in my home. And so that helps with my recovery as well. And I understand that that's not everybody's paradigm. I'm just kind of sharing other tips and tricks that people can use if they have access to that kind of stuff that can help with that recovery. Owns this place. We're all coming yeah. to check it out. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, it's just, it was, it's kind of my wife and I had that discussion. We said, you know, we want to make an investment in our family and our health. And this is something that, you know, we wanted to do, but uh, anyway, long story or, or long answer is it sounds like, you know, utilizing the whey protein is a good thing to start to use. Um, it certainly is on the right track. You possibly may get more bang for your buck on, on an amino acid complex right. supplement in lieu of it. The advantage of the amino acid also is it's very low caloric. So you get the muscle building, uh, uh, foundation without adding all the extra calories. So this is where you wouldn't um, feel more bloated or gain more weight. You could stay leaner, but still recover the muscle, uh, if that makes sense. And so it's so helpful because I've I've looked up the ingredients of the supplement and there it is, branch chain amino acids. And I'm about to flush them all down the toilet. (laughs) They're gone. They're toast. Feed it. Yeah, no, it's it's just, it's what's popular and that's what they put in those things. And then Things like creatine, what that does is helps you retain water. Guys use it because um, 
yeah, or creatinine to, you know, they, they do it because it just makes muscles swole. And that's why they use it. Uh, well, I don't have enough muscles to be fit for that. <laughs> right. So again, so, this is so, gone. So, this is so for most of us that don't have that physique, we just look fatter. And yeah. so uh, I've spent 35 years looking that way. All right. I'm flushing <laughs> this stuff down. We're going back to all natty, baby. There, there you go. But anyway, um, to muscle, muscle recovery is a real thing. Yep. Uh, I think upping protein in your diet is, is one way of doing it. Um, you don't have to necessarily drink these recovery shakes immediately after eating or, mm -hmm. or working out. Um, there's research that shows that your body's capability of use, utilizing these nutrients hours after your workout is still very effective. So, and I'm speaking that to the guys that are doing things like intermittent fasting and stuff yeah. like that, who, who sometimes have the question, Hey, I'm doing intermittent fasting, but I work out at four in the morning and I want to do some kind of, you know, nutrient shake. Am I wasting it if I drink it hours later? And the answer is no, you're not. Your body's still sensitive to it. It's still capable of utilizing it. You don't need to use it. Um, but anyway, I don't know if I answered your question completely, but um, just based on what you were asking, I think that's the, you know, um, probably what's happening is just that, that product is just bloat, making you bloated and it's not probably giving you stuff that you want. It's out. It's out. You guys, explanation. how lucky are we? for Dr. Bones to just give away this free advice. Like, this is awesome. This is a hunt for wellness. Thanks, man. Like, I, I appreciate you answering my question. And now you all have heard me hear it. So the accountability, I'm going to do a little bit better with that information this time. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Well, speaking of sleep, man, do you, what, what time do you go to bed? <laughs> I'm an early sleeper. So uh, I say to the end, all right, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Just, just can't seem to comprehend that. You just get tired and you go to bed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm an early to bed. If, if I'm posting, if I'm doing an 0530 post, I need to be awake at 430. I want that one full hour to wake up, drink some coffee, get the body moving. Um, so I'll, I'll go hit the sack around 930 and maybe be down by 10. And I feel fine about that. Um, you know, if I'm up much after 10, 10 30, it's because it's Saturday night, right? Yeah. It's, it's because there's not a post in the morning, probably. Yeah. I'm very similar. I, I I'm a nine o'clock, nine, nine 30 at the latest type of scenario. And really it's only that late if I'm out, uh, you know, doing something else with my kids or something. I got teenagers mm -hmm. now, so we have later events than we used to when they were younger. And so they're really the ones that keep me up nowadays if, if I'm going to stay up. But uh, yeah, I find that uh, if I don't get in bed by 930, if sleep by 10, it's just that I'm a 4 a.m. alarm clocker because I think we start a little bit earlier than you guys, it sounds like maybe. But it's just, you know, I got to at least have that many hours. Otherwise, I just I feel like garbage the next day. Yeah, you know, I, I was saying this to somebody the other day in, in my younger years. I used to say, look, two hours of sleep, I'm good to go. I can handle this early in the career, right? When you're just pissing vinegar and gung-ho for anything. It's like, if I can get two hours, I'm going to be all right. I'll handle the next day. Uh, that switch flipped and fast. And like, I think that is such a great part of maturing a little bit in everything you do of realizing, wow, it's a mistake. Like, let's do a little bit better and let's protect this thing go get a little bit more. I'm tired. Go to sleep. Like, that's a, yeah, I know. Great I, need to, I need to figure out, uh, I need to launch an AO in my area that starts about 8 a.m. 
that way we can, <laughs> so we can get a little bit later start and uh, <laughs> still I think that's still meet with the guy. I don't have a traditional career AO, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, crush your workout at 8 a.m. What job is that? Yeah, well, you know, there's probably a lot. Uh, we do have quite a bit of respects in the in the in the retirement realm, and so I'm sure I can get some of those guys doing it. A lot of guys work from home, a little bit more flexible schedules. So who knows? May, might be onto something one day a week. Uh, well, a little bit. You know, Doctor Bone. Some might say you're free to leave to go start that. That's AM. true. Hey, uh, well, go go hit it. We'll be watching. I hear you. Well, brother, man, we could chat forever, but uh, I know we're coming up on time here. Um, but I do have a couple final questions for you to, to wrap this thing up. The, the first is this, and you've already shared tons of good information, but uh, if you could give a guy three tips to get them launched on their own hunt for wellness, what would those three tips be? If you want to run fast, run with faster men, which is, of course, an F3 parlance anecdote, which I think makes all the sense in the world. When you want to get better at anything, do it with people who are better than you. Learn and grow. So if you want to get fast, run with faster men. You can apply that to if you want to eat healthy, learn how to eat healthy. Insert whatever analogy you want. So tip one, if you want to get fast, run with faster men. Tip two, have the right role models, which means knowing how to identify the right role models and then proactively creating a role model relationship, which we call a bunch of things out here, whetstones, blades, uh, have a shield lock, which is all part of identifying and supporting yourself to have a role model. And the third tip would be to find out how you can be happy doing all those things, right? Personal enjoyment. And the tip isn't be happy because what an asshole to tell people be happy, but find the things that you can do to spark your own joy and to become happy with whatever that is. Um, we didn't talk much about this, but I have a hard and fast proponent of pro-optimism and the importance of whatever you need to do to increase your mental health and well-being to be supportive and happy. And again, you can't just flip the switch and be a happy person. Maybe you can. That's awesome. That's awesome. But the importance of doing those first two things, becoming better, modeling, and then accepting a little bit of happiness and doing what you need to do to create that, um, which couldn't be more important than it is today after the three years we've had personal struggles and broad community struggles um, of living right. And I think a lot of that comes down to your personal fulfillment, your personal enjoyment, uh, and how you can create spaces and environments for yourself and for others to live their best lives and to be happy. Hi, man. Well said. So I do have one final question for you, um, but before I ask it, I just wanted to take a few seconds here and just acknowledge you again and say thank you. I uh, really appreciate you jumping on today and sharing you know, your story and, and some of the things that you learned along the way. I know it's going to resonate with a lot of guys. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing for the nation, stepping up in those leadership roles. I mean, this thing is free and we we all love it, but it doesn't happen without effort. And, and, and you're one of those guys that just have 
stepped up to the plate at every turn and fallen into all of it, just fallen yeah. into all of it. Thank you, you, better man. leaders. That's right. But I, I, in all honesty, man, I do appreciate it. I, I know um, you're out there um, supporting those other cues and mantans rather uh, across that sector. And, and it means a lot to, to those guys and certainly to the nation and the communities that are going to be changed as a result of those workouts being started and served and grown. And so I appreciate what you're doing there. So if a guy wanted to reach out to you, if they heard some things that they wanted or resonated, um, might want to check in on you, keep you accountable. What are some best ways for them to do that? Yeah, you can catch us in Seattle. At, uh, you can email us at F3 at F3Seattle.com. We bought that domain, thought that was good. We're F3 Seattle on the major socials. If you want to get in touch with the PACs, um, anybody can find us that way. If you have a man in Seattle or somebody in the broader Puget Sound region, they can find us on LinkedIn and Twitter and I think even Facebook um, at F3 Seattle. They can hit us up at F3 at F3Seattle.com. Um, I am on uh, social also on Twitter at Ralph Jodis Jr. Um, it's not an F3 name. It was there first. Uh, I think that legacy is also important. Um, I'm an open book. I, I urge anybody to contact me anytime. You can throw my phone number around out there. I don't care. I block liberally for spam. Um, but I don't want anyone to come to Seattle and not look us up. If you, if you know we're out here, we are out here for you. Uh, and that goes for Seattle and the broader Puget Sound region. And right now it goes for anywhere across Washington um, with our guys who have set, are setting up out in eastern Washington, across the borders in Idaho and Oregon. Um, so you can find me through uh, that Twitter. Uh, here's my email address. It's rjodisjr at yahoo.com. Anybody can hit me up anytime. I'm on the nation Slack and I'm on our F3 Puget Sound Slack as well for our guys out here. So if anybody is coming to Seattle, if you're coming to Washington, or if you have questions about any of the work we're doing in Washington or the entire Western region now, um, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me because we're out here. Manifest destiny. Go West, boys. Yeah, man. And we're going to have to keep up with you guys as you guys enter this extreme week and, and learn all the updates and all the things you guys are doing out there for that. I'm going to kick the doors down and tell those guys, here's how you recover, fellas. I was talking to Dr. <laughs> Bones. I know how we're going to survive our seven and six. This is, I think this is year five. Wow. It might be year four of doing extreme week. It might be four. So there's guys who have done it year over year over year over year, including our leading Grant and coming in at uh, what's whiplash, 77 years old. Oh, wow. And he's Good for him. Not extreme every year in a row. Um, it's a blast. It's, you, you know, how it is. It's a challenge for challenge sake. It's a physical challenge. Um, there's something special about that week for us. So you might hear, you might hear and see us complaining, but also having a pretty dang good time. That's what it's all about, man. It's got to have the mumble chatter both ways. So that's awesome, man. So my, my final question for you, brother, is this. What is your definition of wellness? My definition of wellness is the journey of becoming at peace with what you need to do to be healthier, physically, emotionally, and mentally, right? So it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And the path you're on is you uncover more, learn more, and then apply more to being a healthier person, physically, emotionally, and mentally. That's my definition of wellness. 
Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation Slack at bones, or Twitter at HFW Podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.